the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to The Big Silence Podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go. Mental health is my wealth. The stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence Podcast. It's Karina here, and it is May, Mental Health Awareness Month where we raise the vibration around mental health even more than the rest of the year, even though I do believe it should be a daily. So let's make this a daily, uh, annually, like the entire year. So have you joined the Calm Heart, Quiet Mind Challenge? And what it is, is myself, my friends, celebrities, athletes, community, we are all sharing on social media with the hashtag Calm Heart, Quiet Mind, what it means to have a calm heart, quiet mind to us. What do we do to move our body? What do we do to make sure we're practicing mindfulness? What does it feel like? What makes you feel good? What makes you feel good? Is it self-care? Is it a bubble bath? Is it reading a book in the morning? Is it getting in nature, a hike? Share with everyone and tag the big silence on Instagram and hashtag calm heart, quiet mind. And we're going to be resharing and sharing some inspiration to those who maybe don't know the first step to taking care of their mind. Okay, so today's guest, Mickey Agrawal was in the studio. Mickey lives here in Austin, Texas now. And I have been following her for quite some time. I read her first book, Do Cool Shit. And she has her book, Disrupt Her, that I am reading now. She is an entrepreneur, advisor. She's an investor. She is a creative and disruptive innovation. If you come to my house and you use my bathroom, you will find Tushy which blew up during 2020. It is a bidet. And I'm telling you, when I'm not home, I'm missing my tushy. Welcome to the podcast, Mickey Agarwal. I mean, we were meant to be friends as of six years ago, turns out. I know. I was just telling a creepy story, kind of. It's not creepy (laughs) at all. Mickey shows up because you live in Austin now. And I was like, you know, I was reading, first off, shout out to Cindy 
Whitehead, who's a stylist in LA and rides skateboards. And she's like, you got to check out this book, Do Cool Shit. So I bought the book and I was reading it. And then I was in Palm Springs at our house there. And we went out to Joshua Tree to, or out there in the desert to Integratron. And I was with Bobby and our friend Eric. And then you were there pregnant with Hero. Oh my God, in my belly. Yeah. And we had a sound bath moment together. You just didn't know it. I was like, that's the author of the book I'm reading. And yet you didn't come over and hug me. I would have been so happy. <laughs> well, here we are, six years later, friends. Yeah. You know, good. Good. Uh, is Hero six? He's five and a half. He's almost six. Yeah. Not wild. Time just flies. It does. Your skin looks great though. So it doesn't really? matter. Yeah. Thank you. Just turned 42. It's amazing. You know, I do my best. <laughs> so also, another creepy story, but not. <laughs> Mickey was using my bathroom when she got here and there was a tushy. It's true. There was a tushy on it and I did videotape it being like, tushy in the wild. <laughs> Love it. It's always fun. I never take it for granted ever. Yeah. So founder of many businesses and you've been through so much in your life and there's so many questions. I'm just happy you're here. So many questions about being an entrepreneur, being a ex-wife and mm-hmm. a mother. I have a husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the flows of life. Mm. This is actually a question from Bobby because Bobby is the one who introduced me to Tushy and then I looked it up and then I was like, wait, that's Vicky. I'm like, I'm secret obsessed, I guess, for many years. I just didn't even know it. Bobby wants to know, what was your upbringing? Because you've been an innovator and creator of so many disruptive brands and new things and things people don't want to talk about, like pooping and periods. (laughs) What is your childhood like? I mean, I would just say it's just one of like total permission. You know, I grew up with a Japanese mother from Japan speaks with a thick Japanese accent. My father's from India, speaks with a thick Indian accent. I grew up in French Montreal in like the most French part of La Rive Sud de Montréal, like the South Shore of Montreal. And so just grew up with like every type of culture and every type of opinion and perspective. It was a very multicultural neighborhood. My school was incredibly multicultural. Everyone always had their own different, varying, unique perspectives from their own cultural viewpoint, especially in my own household, where it's like Japanese, Indian, Canadian, French, English. We just were allowed to argue of course, Indian father, you know, traditional as well. So sometimes we would have to get in line. But it was really deep permission to argue perspectives and actually see the world through various lenses. And I think that allowed the ability to question everything. Like, why are things done this way? Is there a better way? And I think fast forward years later, becoming an entrepreneur... It was like, oh, wait, I don't understand that. That's a a singular perspective that feels very old and unnecessary. And maybe there's a new way of thinking about it. Let's do it. Let's innovate. Let's come up with a new product or come up with a new way of thinking about things. And I think that was such a powerful permission earlier on. What was your first product or innovation? Was there something when you were a teenager, early 20s? We've always been involved in science fair projects. And so we built like all kinds of things from like a digital slot machine with a huge breadboard and like going through resistors and transistors and diodes and switches and and then having the LED lights go red, red, red and with a little digital screen that said RRR and a little speaker that made sirens. So our dad and mom started little companies when we were kids growing up. And 
My mom started the Gifted Children's Summer Camp in Montreal. It was the very first Gifted Children's Summer Camp in the city. And 500 kids came through over the years. And it was really incredible to watch my parents who came with no connections, no community, built their community, built their relationships. They had no capital to start any of this, but just out of their own sheer will and gumption, they were like, we're going to start these things. And so I think for me, like the first thing I did made was was these science fair project things. And then the very first project I raised money for was when my twin sister Rada and I, we were 18 years old and we wanted to make our first short film called Soccer Dads. Rada and I both played soccer in college. We both played our whole lives starting age four. We raised like $9,000 from a production company, which was a lot of money. Begged, borrowed, and dealed. We got soccer jerseys from like a local soccer store and put their like logos around. We got actors and we got tons of kids from local school to come and be like the soccer player kids. It was basically a story about these two rival dads who got way too involved in their kids' soccer game. The kids ended up being like, you guys duke it out. They ended up walking off the field while the parents were duking out. This is like classic foreshadowing, you know? Um, So that was the first project. And it was like a really fun thing to like raise the money, figure it out, like solve the problem. One of the big aha moments happened after 9-11. I talk about that in the book. But that was really, I would say, the first the first thing. In Do Cool Shit, I basically shared the story of when I first graduated from college, I got a job in investment banking. You know, it was like the sought after job. And I was like, I don't know anything about finance, but I remember this guy in college was such a dick. And he wanted this job so badly. And one of my reasons of applying for it just for fun was be like, I'm going to get this job. And I did. And I didn't realize that I knew nothing about finance. It was just a whole thing. 10 days into my job, 9-11 happens. My subway stop every single morning was to World Trade Center. And I was supposed to be there on that day. I would go and have tea with my girlfriend who worked on the 100th floor. And then I would walk across the street to my office, which is directly across the World Trade Center. And on that day, 700 people in my girlfriend's office died. Two people in my office died. And it was like the only day in my life that I slept through my alarm clock. And it was this like deep, deep, deep visceral aha moment for me where it was like, ah, the mystery of life is that you never know when it's going to end. The time was absolutely now to make it count. It was when I like wrote down the three things I want to do with my life. Play soccer professionally was the first thing. Make movies and then start a business. What did you play soccer professionally? I tried it for the New York Magic who were holding tryouts. And I made the team. I think it's in the book, Ducal Shit. Yeah, I know. I haven't read that since like the very beginning. So I'm remembering like as you're telling these stories, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember reading that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I snuck out of my investment banking job like, you know, a couple times a week for two and a half months and then made the team. They kept cutting, 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 cutting people. And I made the team, made the starting lineup. And I was all set to quit my job and then I tore my ACL, but it's a whole other story. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So then you're in New York. What was your first company? The first one was the restaurant, okay. Wild, which still exists still to this day. That, yeah. yeah, it was called Slice. So in the book, just do okay. shit, I talk about it yeah. as Slice. And it was rebranded to Wild many years later. It was born out of a you know necessity. My favorite saying that my mother taught me is necessity is the mother mm-hmm. of invention. And I was just like, every time I would go out and eat food, I would come home with the stomach ache, especially when I was out, especially when I was eating pizza, like my favorite comfort food. One day I came home with a horrible stomach ache after eating pizza and I was like, what the F is wrong with my stomach? Like, why, why am I just so gassy and bloated and like, ugh, I feel so bad. And I looked it up and this was like early like 2000s when nobody was really talking about 
organic, gluten-free, mm-hmm. farm-to-table, local, seasonal. All these terms are still completely nascent. I mean, Subway sandwich was like blowing up. It was just yeah. crazy. Everyone thought Subway was the healthiest oh, food yeah. option, right? And so I decided to look into the pizza industry. Pizza's a $32 billion mm-hmm. industry, and Americans eat 100 acres of pizza every single day. Oh, and we were just basically eating bleached flour, processed cheese, sugar-filled sauces, processed toppings. And no wonder it was causing all these problems in our system. But if it's made with all the right ingredients, it's the best comfort food yeah. possible. It's got all the food groups actually yeah. if done right. And so I started New York City's very first alternative pizza concept at 20, 25 years old. It was gluten-free, farm-to-table, organic, seasonal, local, all those terms. And it was such an uphill battle at the time to get people to even try it, to taste it, to get it. And so it was very early for its time, but you know, 18 years later, it's still there. So it's That's still so cool. cool. Are you part of that? Any, uh-huh. You are. Yeah, yeah, you still are. Yeah. I, all right, we're going to go there because Bobby's from New York. Yes, that so, would be great. That would be amazing. I'll be there Love so. Bobby. Bobby gets it. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so then on your entrepreneur journey, mm-hmm. when does your next, is it Toshi is next? No, Thinks is next. Thinks is next. Okay, yeah. okay. All of my friends talk about Thinks and Toshi. I, I don't know the timeline. So <laughs> Thinks was next. Uh-huh. My next big aha moment for me was meeting Walid, who became my partner for a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he was a restaurateur through and through, been a restaurateur for 20 years, had eight restaurants in New York. He owned Teeny's restaurant. He owned Moby's restaurant called Teeny mm-hmm. in Lori's side when I met him. And I was like, I need someone who can... Like run operate my business because I'm just not an operations person. Well, I always think think with like entrepreneurs, there's the creative side, there's the face side, there's the operational. And I I would say like a decade ago, I was really good at like managing all roles. But yeah. Now I'm like need to focus. Exactly. What's your zone of genius, would you say? The creative and like being the forward facing, I can do all the rest. But I don't know that I'm as passionate about that. And that's okay. Absolutely. I mean, when you're building a brand and a business, you have to learn all the different roles. But now I want to be more hands-on of the forward facing. And focus on your zone of genius, yeah. right? And so like for me too, it's creative, marketing, dreaming up the big next campaign, stuff like that. I love that. So when I brought in Walid at my restaurants, after seven years of trying to operate it myself, Within one week, our numbers doubled. Within one month, our numbers tripled. And I was just like, man, this is insane. I can't believe. You need I, the experts to be exactly. their experts. And I I used to run our books at Tone It Up and like do all of our finance. And today I would be like, I'm too I distracted. <laughs> I'm so grateful. And I always tell my my co-founder and CEO, my co-founder CEO and my CEO for Tushy, I'm like, ah, we all mutually admire each other so much because we all can do totally different jobs. And they're all jobs that we're each good at, but I'm not, I can't do those jobs, you know, because I brought Waleed in to operate wild and did it really, really well. He did it really, really well. It freed up my time to start Thinks. And um, Thinks was also born of necessity. When I was running from one restaurant to another, I would keep bleeding into all my underwear and keep leaking into everything. And it was just like, I can't believe I'm having to run home, interrupt my day, wash all my stuff. Every time I had my period, it was like my very first time. And I'm just like, oh my God. It was just like, (laughs) right? You know, do you remember the... Yeah, you bleed through the chair and you get up after class, the bell rings and you look back and you're like, 
Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, how many of these stories do they have? Like, you, you can't change your tampon in the middle of a soccer game. You can't be like, yo, ref, like, stop the game. You can't do it while you're giving a presentation. You can't do it while you're sitting in traffic, while you're on your first date. Like, you want to be able to focus and just do the thing you're doing. And so creating Thinks was such a, to me and to my co-founders, a no-brainer of just like, yeah, it makes so much sense in the world to have something that supports us during the most natural time of the month. And the fact that it's considered a taboo experience where women are putting in their sleeve, that their tampons in their sleeve and kind of slinking to the bathroom and hiding it. And it was just like, wow, in addition to innovating, let's break this taboo and make it something to be proud of because it's what creates human life. Isn't that so interesting? Because even to this day, like I bring up periods to I'm Bobby. He's like, I'm like, I'm a woman. Like, when do we break that stigma around women and periods? When people are young. And it's like with Hero now too, I'm like, every time I have my period, I'm like, Hero, I'm on my period. And and he's like, I'm like, what is a period? And he goes, it's food for the baby. And so he really knows what it is and what is PMS and what are the four phases of the menstrual cycle. I mean, the fact that women, we don't even know that our emotionality, like when we should be presenting, it should be during our ovulatory phase. When we should be more pensive, it should be during our menstrual and follicular phase, you know? or So it's just like the different phases of our cycle should be when we are best at certain things. And so it's very interesting. Making lists is during the follicular phase, stuff like that. I had nobody around because my mom wasn't in the house when I started my period. Wow, where was she? I was sharing you the story about her being schizophrenic. She would always disappear for months at a time. When I started, my sister was around, but kind of in the beginning, I was like, nobody was there to tell me what was happening. For months at a time. You're amazing. Wow. And so I had to learn about like pads and tampons, what's happening. And then I went to my older sister, Rachel, and we started talking about it. But I think it's so important because parents didn't want to. My dad didn't want to talk about periods to me. And so it's great that you're even talking to Hero about it. It's just like normalizing it. It's like, whatever. Yeah. It's people like, oh, you wouldn't do that with shit. It's like, it's not shit. It's the thing that creates human life, you know? So it's a very different way of thinking about that. Yeah. You know, it's something that's beautiful and powerful. So from things, uh-huh. where'd he go? That was a whole ride in and of itself, right? As you know, taking something from something small to something massive when you don't even know what's happening. And it's almost like when something goes viral, it's like you're holding on for dear life. And so that was its own set of wild, wild lessons, learnings, deep cuts, and really learning what to do, what not to do in the next go around. So with Tushy, my current company, what I learned was bringing in senior leadership early. So I brought in epic Amazon CEO, family man, 25-year married, you know, like good dad. Um, as my CEO. And then my co-founder and COO, he was in early. He joined in 2015. Um, and he was kind of moonlighting at Tushy while he was working as a lawyer's day job. So yeah, like bringing in really good, solid, stable leaders early and then building a really diverse team, you know, diverse in age, diverse in rage, race, diverse in gender. It was such a huge learning I learned from my last company where if it's all one type of person, it's not conducive to the best work. Have you brought in, um, does Tushy have private equity now? No, we've raised very little money. We've done over nine figures in, in revenue, but we've well over nine figures in revenue, but we've raised 
less than on one hand I can count, you know? And we're profitable, which That's yeah, great. it got us through COVID. We, yeah. Well, yeah, I remember seeing you in the news or whatever because toilet paper was impossible to get. So everyone needed a tush. That's right. It was, we had our first several million dollar days, which for an entrepreneur is like a milestone moment. It was amazing. Makes you like cry. Yeah. Tears of joy. Like, yeah. Oh my God. It was like, what? All this seven years of work and People are finally getting the picture. I mean, it only took a pandemic, but I mean, a lot of companies were price gouging and we kept our prices exactly the same. We just kept being consistent. People just remembered Tushy like, oh my God, we don't have toilet paper. I'm going to go for Tushy. Yeah. So really cool. Really exciting. Yeah. My bathroom, which you know, in some. <laughs> yes. Tushy, the artist that we bought the house from was European. So he had like installed sprays mm-hmm. <laughs> but they were a little they like leaked a lot right. and it was kind of a mess yeah like so, the bum guns yeah yeah <laughs> they don't make any sense but you're gonna spray your bum with a fire hose it doesn't make any sense versus like a thing that's attached so, so for those of you who don't know tushy bidet by the way don't go to tushy.com it's a very oh, graphic oh. anal porn site okay <laughs> Go to hellotushy.com, hellotushy.com. I bet a lot of people have gone to Tushy.com. Yeah, oh, and that cookie follows you, baby. That cookie <laughs> follows you. And so it's a modern bidet that you easily attach to your toilet in less than 10 minutes. There's no plumbing or electrical. Comes a little hose. Literally, anyone who can barely hang a painting like me can install one. And it just washes your butt clean after you poop. You just turn this little knob. It opens up. It's not toilet bowl water or tank water. It's coming from the wall, the same water you brush your teeth with. Just very clear. And it just, it's a precise shower for your butt. It's just like, it's game changing. I mean, right? So it is game changing because I'm so used to it daily. And you feel fresh and clean. And you can clean your butt or your vagina or whatever you want. And so then Bobby and I go camping and use the the bus. And is there a Tushy Travel? Yeah. Bobby! It's $29. Okay, because we'll... <laughs> I'll get you one. I'll send you one. But I'm just saying, like, it's this little bottle that you open, and I, I travel with it everywhere I go. I cannot leave without my Toshi Travel. No, we're on that yeah. bus that you parked by, and I'm like, I really miss my Toshi yeah. Bobby. Like, we're going a week, and I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> no, literally, there's some, like, some some comments we get from customers. It's like... When I'm traveling, don't miss my husband. I miss my tushy. <laughs> it's true. Because yeah. you just get so used to being yeah. clean. It's like not brushing your teeth and then brushing your teeth for the very first time. And it's like how your mouth feels when you're like unclean. And you're just like, you can feel the tartar in your... And the same thing with my, my butt. Like I can feel myself unclean back there. You know, like um, what's his name? The famous guru... Um, from India, he goes, dirty butt, dirty mind. Clean butt, clean mind. You know, it's very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can see that. Yeah. So shifting from clean butts <laughs> to being an entrepreneur and your mental health. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a lot to run multiple businesses mm-hmm. and do lots of things and be the leader, be the face, yeah. be the person who always has to have the right answer. Right. You know, it's interesting because I just interviewed a new executive assistant candidate and she I, I hired her and she's wonderful and she kind of manifested the position. She kind of came up to me after Daybreaker and just said, if you ever need an EA, I think I, I think that's that should be me. And then like a couple of weeks later, my existing EA and I parted ways and she sent me a message and said, oh, I saw you posted on Instagram story that you're looking for an EA. 
that should be me. Or I think I'd love to apply for the position. Anyways, I got a ton, I got over a hundred people applied and then she ended up getting the position and she's like, I manifested this. But one of the things I said to her was, it's so important for you to know that I'm going to have good days. I'm going to have bad days and I'm going to be hormonal and I'm going to be not hormonal and I'm going to be stoked and I'm going to be sad and I'm going to go through the same emotions that every human being goes through. And what my deepest ask from a lens of trust is, is for you to, like, yes, I will self-soothe, I'll manage myself, and I'll do my best, but there are moments where I'm not perfect and, and I have to know that that's okay. You know, that that's okay because we're held to such perfection and it's like you have a bad day, like, ah, and then you just hang your hat on that one bad moment and it's just not fair. Like you're a human being who has bad moments too and so am I. Why am I held to a different level than you? And I, and I get it, like I'm, I'm leading the company and for the most part, I can take a minute and self-soothe, but there are moments that frustration or upset might come up and I will catch them, own them, but let's also give each other grace. Like grace is so important. That is yeah. so important. And the expectations of, I'm going to call you a, a genius and a founder and a mother and the roles, a wife and this and all these different roles we have and just this expectation of us just being perfect all the time. Yeah. And like to- And it's like the level of like, people want to see you fail and people want to believe bad stories about you and people want to- not champion those who are trying to change culture for the better for women, for people. And yes, we make missteps and yes, we fuck up and yes, but for the most part, like we're doing something that's really difficult and like may we all support one another and give each other grace and that's okay, you know. I'm proud to say I don't have imposter syndrome anymore. Yeah, good. <laughs> but, you know, in the past there was that, but then there is still the thing like, okay, I'm having an off day. It could be like your cycle, the yeah. moon, the whatever. Like, and I'm finally coming to terms now too. Like, okay, today I'm having an off day. I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna take less calls. I'm gonna just and not feel guilty. There's a lot of guilt with being a founder and not like, am I doing enough? Exactly. Am I putting enough time in? I I also feel that sometimes as well. It's like, oh, you know, you're you're not having showing FaceTime as much as you should be. Or you're I've built 20 years of of knowledge, and sometimes my short amount of time is worth, you know, a lot because it's 20 years behind those five minutes or those 10 minutes or those 20 minutes or those 30 minutes or an hour versus just putting FaceTime in all day long and trying to like grind in the thing. Like I've, I've done that for a really long time. We don't always make the right decisions. We aren't always perfect. And have you, I know actually with Tushy, you've had some stuff come up in your company and accusations are you open? those are things uh, things okay yes. not to you sorry things. things yes okay. yes how do you handle something as an entrepreneur that comes up and yeah yeah that was really painful I was pregnant with my son Hero when those allegations came out and it was wild to see how people just immediately wanted to believe those stories and that it wasn't asked of me like is it true Nobody asked me that. You know, even if I said those were not true, it didn't matter because the headline was like the clickbait. It's all that people read. That was the deep like cut of, of realization of the society that we live in. But then also it was the greatest gift of my life where I got to go and do years of deep 
deep, deep personal development work, the healing work around that. It was a trauma for me. It was a deep, deep trauma. Can you talk about it? Or yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, if someone's listening, they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you scale a business really, really fast, sometimes, you know, you make quick decisions. You know, I made a quick decision to bring in um, a, a lot of people at once. I didn't do a ton of background checks. And I was also a young founder that made, again, a lot of mistakes in the beginning and just kind of figuring out like, oh, you know, this is the wrong type of people for the culture and had to let them go. And I had an accusation, an allegation around that was just dark and untrue that was said about me and in hopes for some cash. And I, I went to court you know, for four years, one in one in every court, all the allegations were thrown out, but it didn't matter. Um, it's one of those stories that I don't like talking about. It's way in the past. It's six years ago, but it certainly rattled me. And the one story I love to share around that is I remember I was like super pregnant when I was like laying in my bed and I was naked in my bed crying, just so pregnant. And of course, none of the stories share that I was pregnant. And that was such a fear of mine of potentially losing my baby and the fear of of all the stress that I was experiencing. And I was in the eye of the storm when all this was going on. And I was just laying in my bed naked, crying, just so pregnant. I was like, why is this happening to me? What is going on? Like, this is so fucked up. I get it. Like, you know, like as a founder, you make mistakes, but like, this is so crazy. These stories are insane. They're so, they're like, I can't believe this is happening. And then I had this like out-of-body experience where I became a fly on the wall observing myself crying in my pillow. And I had this like just deep embodied realization. I was like, wow, I get to feel the depths of betrayal. Like I get to feel the depths of sadness and anger in this one short and precious life. Like I could not meet people at betrayal and anger and sadness in the way I could now, having gone through that. Because before I'm like, get over it, move forward, because I didn't know what that felt like. And so now it's like the level of my emotional capacity is stretched so much from that experience because it was so painful and so hard. And so now like you know, I've done an ayahuasca ceremony and this woman one time early on, the one who, who made the allegation actually came back to me as an angel. And she became like an angel obstacle creator where I like touched her feet and said, thank you for those painful things because it allowed me to grow so much. It's been one of those things where it's like so many people have asked me about this story for over the years and it's like low vibrational stuff. And it's just like, I have no time to be a part of the he said, she said, low vibrational stuff. But why I want to share this is that it's actually high frequency, high vibrational learnings. And I think that's the part that I all the deep gaining, all the things I gained from it was that. It was like, wow, everything's a gift. Like every experience is a gift, the painful stuff. Like think about you and your mom and all that you've learned and how how much you've gained and how fortified you are within yourself because of that experience with your mom. Yeah, and right? you know, I'll share this brief little story because when I was with my mom her last three days and she was like, regret, regret. She was afraid, you know, she didn't have a relationship with her daughter. She didn't this. And I said, you know what, mom? You are a wonderful mom because you taught me how to be strong and resilient and I wouldn't change a thing. So thank you for being my mother. Mm. It's like, you will not leave this world with regret. You should be proud. That's it. That's it. Not cry. Yeah. Um, no, cry. It's beautiful. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. And it's, I think it, it led me to really understand how to better lead, how to better protect myself, how to better create a very diverse environment, how to hire strong leadership early on, and then how to forgive and how to apologize mm-hmm. and how to say thank you, I love you, you know, at the Ho'oponopono, right? It's like the, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. Really being able to acknowledge our own wrongdoings. For me, it was just like, firing in a very sort of rash way that was hurtful. I probably could have been a lot more thoughtful in how I did it. But then the ac- accusation was like triple fold, horrible, untrue. But it also really, really taught me about people get really hurt. People's lives could change based on the things that I say, right? And therefore, I should be more just softer in those moments. I, I've never been good at, you know, firing people or letting people go. It's, oh, the, it's worst. the worst. It's the worst. And so I'm just so clunky around that. And so I definitely didn't do that in a very smooth way. And I think that really triggered a lot of anger and hurt. And I learned a lot from that. From that experience, you are newly divorced. Yeah. Husband. I went from a husband to a husband <laughs> of of 11 years. Yeah. We met... And we fell in love at Burning Man. Within mm-hmm. three days, we were married. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible decade together. Like, I don't... It's a long time. Yeah, 11 years. I mean, I, I consider our marriage a deep success. We had the best exit. You know, <laughs> we have a baby and we yeah. had... We built our company side by side. We built our community side by side. We built our, you know, our home side by side. And yes, of course, there were crunchy times at the end and it was really hard. But I think we actually ended it on the way down versus at the bottom. I have friends who've come out on the other side stronger and better. And I have friends who, you know, would have wished they ended it earlier, right? And so it all changes. But people can, people are like, oh, we've been married for 57 years. It's like, we don't sleep in the same room and you hate each other. And like, that's not a success. Yeah. You know, for me, life is comes and goes like a fart in the wind, right? It's just so quick. And for us to not be just deeply stoked on the partnership and acknowledge that it's not peachy keen all the time. It's not going to be like, oh, because it's not perfect, I'm out. You know, people also leave too quickly and stuff like that too. But when there's a realization that we've both changed and our values are not exactly the same or that we don't value the same things anymore, then it's okay that it's it's a new chapter can begin. And we talk to each other every day. Obviously, we have a kid together, yeah. but we talk every day. And you call me today about talking about some stuff. And I talk, he went and visited a new girlfriend this oh. weekend. I told him to cut his beard down and put a hat on to look hot for <laughs> meeting his girlfriends. And like, I have no hate in my, yeah. I have no ups- anger in my heart. Yeah. There's a lo- lot of healing that needs to happen on both ends still. We're actually planning on doing MDMA together next month. Are you? Yeah. Just We're to do like a Here deal. in Austin? Yeah, or? just just together, just in, in one of our homes and just really find the deepest healing and the deepest repair and and then move forward as deep, deep family and besties. What was it that like made you realize like maybe this isn't going to happen and did you go to couples therapy? Oh yeah. For two years, we really, really fought. It was during COVID. It was really when we moved to Austin, left New York, left the peak life life that we had where it was like every night, every we had something fun going on. And so, and then it was just us together behind closed doors. And I think one of the things that I've really craved for the entirety of our relationship was like a deep, 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 slow, soft, 
intimate connection in the bedroom, you know, and that was, I think, one of the places where we both, I can acknowledge, had some challenges. You know, we had some beautiful moments too, beautiful times too, for sure. And there was like, it was continuing to improve, but it was never like the perfect fit in that realm. And so we both had just different erotic blueprints, right? And it's okay to be different, but we just never quite clicked in that realm. And we both knew that from the beginning. And yet we loved we love each other so much. We tried so hard in all the other realms and that realm. Yeah. But we just, yeah, like it's time. It's time to go into the next chapter and focus and and really like double down on things that that we're we're double clicking on now. What are we you know, prioritizing now. We prioritize our business, our career, our community, our New York City life, peak life together. Mm-hmm. And this one, I'm really prioritizing intimacy, connection, the depth of intimacy, soul connection. What is that? What can that look like? We can go deep, deep, as deep as possible with one person. Yeah. So uh, are you dating? Yeah, I've been, I have, I, I, it was interesting because I met this and he hates that I tell this story, but I met this person um, one hour after Andrew and I uncoupled at Burning Man. So Andrew and I met on our 11-year anniversary at the temple in Burning Man. And then we rode our bikes to Deep Playa and spent three hours crying, looking at pictures and just loving on each other. And then we rode off. And he actually met his current girlfriend really at Burning Man that year too. And then I went off to go into a party to meet my friends. And at the party, I met him. Yeah. And one hour after we uncoupled. And I said to him, I was like, oh, hi. And he goes, hi. And I was like, um, I just want you to know that I'm out of, I just one hour ago got out of an 11-year marriage. And he goes, perfect timing. <laughs> and he goes, where do you live? And I said, Austin. And he goes, me too. He's like, can I get your number? And I was like, I'll call you next week. And I was like, oh my God, my first phone number in like 11 years. I love that perspective because I've known a lot of, especially with the pandemic and everything, a lot of breakups have happened, Mm. a lot of struggles. Like Bobby and I have been in couples therapy, which, you know, relationships are not, it's normal. Yeah. We don't have to agree on everything. We're not like, Perfect. But you know. That's it. And we live in constant contradictions. I would watch Esther Perel's most recent talk at South by Southwest. I mean, relationships are all about contradictions. We want this and we want that simultaneously. Mm-hmm. How do we navigate all those simultaneous feelings that we have inside of us? Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Anyone out there, and a lot of people have gone through a lot in relationships and they're like, I don't want to leave this person because I'll be alone. I won't find another partner. But there's always hope and there's so many people and you can manifest anything. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like we're in this moment. My <laughs> dream was to just be lovers and ease into a relationship. But he's like all or nothing in that realm. And I totally respect and admire his desires as well. Everyone's got their own desires and wants and needs and none of them are right or wrong. And so I told him, I was like, well, I'm going to, I'd love to have the summer of Mickey. And he's like, go have your summer. Yeah. He's like, when he got out of his relationship, he spent two years kind of on his own before he's now ready. And so when he met me, he was ready. And when I met him, I just got out of my literally (laughs) one hour (laughs) of my 11 year marriage. So I wasn't quite ready. So timing plays the biggest role, I think, in relationships. And so when two people are ready and they both want... It just, that is oftentimes when it clicks the fastest and the best. And so we're just in this moment where we just kind of like a week ago decided to not in this moment, we both kind of experiencing a lot of things in our life, me with my divorce, him and with his personal relationship, family passing, it was challenging for him. And so we kind of also trauma bonded a little bit as well. We both had to kind of learn each other's 
vibrations, frequencies. We're also very different erotic blueprints as well. So that requires some adjustment as well. There's so much love there for one another. And, you know, like I said, I'll call you in the fall because I'll pick up. <laughs> so, you know, it's beautiful and and we'll see. And in the meantime, I'm, you know, like I'm not looking. I also need deep time for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to marry myself. I want to like get to know myself. And like, who am I today? Like, I'm so different than who I was 11 years ago. And like, when we're in company and partnership, we don't have time to be like, wait, who who do I want to be again? And I've I've changed. And I feel like we kind of revert back to who we've been, even when we've done so much work on ourselves. You know, it's like when you go home to your parents, you're like, oh, like, yeah, you've done all this self-development work, can't tell, you know? And you're like, uh, fuck, you know? So I think like this next iteration of who I am is this next version of me, you know, softer, slower, gentler, more feminine, you know, not having to be on my horse with a sword in my hand, like fighting for the business or a seat at the table or my voice to be heard where I don't need that anymore. Like I just want soft, slow, eye gazing, (laughs) love, intimacy, connection. Like that's really what I'm craving this next chapter. Thank you for being here. Any last words of wisdom? I feel like you've said so much from business to relationships to life to... Well, what's your your most vulnerable desire right now? A lot of what you said, my life is being an entrepreneur. A lot is consumed with that. And my desire, and it's hard because I put so much focus on business, it should move to Bobby. Mm, What does that mean? We want to be more intimate, but it's hard because it's like we're too different. We don't have much time. We can go on to that. But, you know, we love each other so deeply, but it's like relationships and that marriage and that connection with that your partner is so important where i think a lot of times we put so much emphasis on work everything else everything else you leave the scraps for your partner yeah versus like for me like i want to double click number 1 like number 1 on my list is intimacy and connection with my partner so i love that for you yeah if that's i mean i'm not want. there but that's how are you going to get there i don't know do you have advice for me you choose I, yeah you know you choose it i started saying to my teams and my assistant, Fridays are my thinking days, are my days where I get to be in my own company, in my own space. Super important. The weekends are family time and then one date night during the week. So like one weekday date night a week where you each plan it and then a weekend date night, which could be really fun. And then just having the weekends off. Like look what you've built. Like you have an incredible life. You've built something so huge and so magnificent. And to be able to like, say, you did all this, you can do that, right? So it's about what you choose and decide to prioritize and say no to. And it's like Monday to Thursday, 10 to 4, 10 to 3, I'm working. But then from 2 or 3 p.m., I'm going to give myself some transition time. And then anything after 4 is family time. It's me and my man. And we're going to go do things. And so like for me with Hero, when I have Hero, we, you know, we've now, we now split. As soon as I pick him up from school, it's my time with Hero. And everyone knows that. And so you just set expectations for yourself and boundaries. We're so unboundaried when we're entrepreneurs, like creating legit boundaries. Because honestly, when I'm not boundaried, I'm more manic. I'm more snappy. I'm so much better when I create boundaries for myself. I'm better with my teams. I'm better with myself. I'm better with my partners. I'm better with my friends. I'm better with my kid. I'm better with my everyone. Just being more boundaried with ourself is actually the best thing we can do for everyone around us. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm getting better at that. I'm going to work even more on that. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Because I'm the boss of my life. Exactly. I also get <laughs> five hours of body work every week. Really? Yes. Okay. Three-hour session and two-hour session every week. I can give you my woman. Yes. She's the best. Yeah. She will change your life, Charmaine. Okay. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your, your words and your wisdom. And I appreciate you and your tushy. you have a great tushy too by the way (laughs) where do we find you we'll put everything in the show notes too I mean definitely check out hello tushy at hello tushy.com or at hello tushy on instagram we have really funny social media for me it's just at mickey agrawal on instagram you can read all my projects at mickeyagrawal.com and get my books disrupt her and do cool shit Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to TheBigSilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The Big Silence. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. The Big Silence. The big side.